0: You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast. But you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at CDKeyOffer.com. If you go there, also use the code Broken Silicon for 25% off Windows keys or Shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. All right, now let's get on with the show. To broken silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host Tom, and today I am joined by my co-host Dan. I meant I, I right when I transitioned to the part where I was going to say your name or let you say your name. I should say I was like I should have said Tennessee Tom, as people will notice you are in a different undisclosed location that I will now disclose is in Minnesota.
1: Yes, the undisclosed pa- uh, location of our parents' basement.
0: That's right. Which, I mean, you were here in Nashville for a while. Now you're with our parents. Of course, you've just finished up grad school. And uh, I guess I don't have anything to add. Just making sure people know, no, you're not crazy. Dan is in a different room now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should have just not addressed, said anything in will uh, you like a single comment in the YouTube video that's like, "Is Dan in a new location?" But yeah, and, I, and then I, just I'm, said no,
0: just like no, oh, was there the whole time.
1: Um, but now, uh, <laughs> digitally modify the background in the podcast feed. So it looks <laughs> little like do this. you
0: know, it's always been a fact background of a nondescript bedroom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'm now hot on the job searching after everything with that is done, and you know. Uh, Uh, there's a lot of biotech in this area of the country i'm looking to you know see friends and family a little bit because i honestly haven't been able to see them that much since moving when i moved to massachusetts and was in school so you know just trying to see some more people uh get used to a locality that there's a pretty good chance i'll end up living in but you know well, well me and emma of course
0: be. my girlfriend are still hoping you'll end up getting a job in tennessee which there is one that we hope you're taking seriously uh, among i'm sure a hundred other ones that our mom probably emails you about every day
1: yes she she sometimes just sees a job and it's like that's close to here and doesn't really bother to check if I'm at all. Well, well there was one that was
0: <laughs> in Tennessee that looked like it could be a good match, but you're leading into saying, s- ha- well, s- I won't, I can't think of any specifics because it's so late when we're recording this time, but th- there's been some where I'm like, I don't think that's what he does, mom.
1: <laughs> well, th- there were a couple, like when I was initially searching for jobs after I finished my undergrad and before I started school where she would send me qual call- things and I'd like it. And I was like, this is like a different field. Uh, I It says I need like six years of experience. <laughs> it's like the, this is not the right job for me. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I am taking a, a serious look at the one in Tennessee because I, it's a, for an organization that our family likes a lot. So mm-hmm. we'll see. And, of course, then you'd be close to me. And I don't know.
0: I mean, uh, you have a lot of friends and family, if we're being honest, you know, in Minnesota, around the, like, the Wisconsin, Illinois area, and also kind of in the upper like Carolinas and Tennessee area. So it, like either way, it's kind of a dealer's choice of which friends and family you'll be close to. But I, I will say one thing that I do like about living where I do is it's, I can basically drive to any part of half of the country without yeah, taking nice. 16 hours. Whereas <laughs> if you're in the Northeast, which is where you just came from, uh, I mean, you're in the Northeast. If you want to go anywhere else, it's, it's a whole trek. To get out of there. And then if you're in Minnesota, you can, of course, get to Chicago easily and a few other areas. But that's pretty much it. You're not driving to anywhere else without it taking 16 hours.
1: No. it's <laughs> New England is a very isolated place. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I mean, like, in Minnesota, is isn't really isolated. I was just saying, like, but it's not like you can just go to Florida Any direction. or North. Like, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you can move to Denver, where you can drive to... Denver. Denver.
1: (laughs) You can drive to Denver or be in mountains in every direction for like six hours.
0: Which Colorado is beautiful. But before I moved to Nashville, there were several up and coming cities I looked at. And one of the things that was said about Denver is it's beautiful. It's great. Just know housing prices there are extra high because there's Denver and it's not like you're in Chicago and then driving to Indianapolis or St. Louis. It's just. That's where you're going now. If you like mountains, it's a dealer's choice of which mountain you <laughs> want to climb, but it is not a dealer's choice of which city you want to visit. But,
1: but yeah. So here I, I'm also getting, seeing family because I haven't seen them for a while. I went golfing yeah. with our dad today, Tom, and I actually didn't do terribly, which I was surprised by because I haven't golfed for like two years.
0: That was a thing where when we were kids. There, uh, some people in our family have golfed a lot. Our, our grandpa was actually like a semi-professional golfer or something. And and I say, or something, cause that tells you how little I pay attention to it. He but was like, a
1: very highly ranked uh, uh, amateur golfer is yeah. the way you put it.
0: And like our, our grandpa and our dad would be like, Hey, you want to go golfing? And I just was like, hey, no, <laughs> like <laughs> from the age of five. And it never changed. It'd be like, Hey, Dan's coming. Do you want to go? And I just say, no. I do not want to play golf, but it's, I was wondering, cause I don't know the last time you played, it's, it, that's good to know you're still at least adequate at it. It sounds like,
1: yeah, I got, I almost got a, a, a three on a par five. So, mm-hmm. but I missed the putt. So,
0: <laughs> all right, well, let us get into, let me just. I think we've had enough jumping around randomness here. Let me just skip right to the corrections. Uh, Florida man writes in and he says, "In Broken Silicon two two seven, EVGA did not get put out of business by Nvidia, like you inferred to Hogue." Which is, so, last Broken Silicon I had friend of the show Hogue Law. He's been on a couple times before. This time we talked about a, a myriad of different things. It was mostly Xbox, you know, Microsoft, Activision stuff, and then Nvidia, RAID, and Stuff, but we we Mm -hmm. got to the subject of because of a reader mail. Like, is there anything that any AIB could do for legal recourse towards NVIDIA with how it seems like they have a stranglehold over the market, claiming that it's becoming almost a monopolistic situation? Like, they have such a large amount of market share that they can basically dictate to all of their partners everything to the point that like EVGA went out of business. Um, it was interesting. I recommend everyone goes and listens to it, as Hoag said maybe actually you know <laughs> probably not because you could still make enough arguments that they have competition but if it got any worse like in terms of their market share in ter- like in terms of how dominant they are for like there's actually a chance there could be a thing that happens but florida man's taking umbrage with me saying that evga went out of business and he says I would say that they chose to leave the GPU market to NVIDIA's strong arm behavior on GPU manufacturing and limited profitability. And EVGA simply has no interest in moving over to AMD or Intel GPUs. The CEO isn't looking to sell, and due to retirement, may be looking to wind down the company as a whole, according to Gamers Nexus. but they aren't out of business at the moment. Well, Florida man, you seem quite angry in how I framed the conversation, but I framed it that way with the assumption that EVGA is not on an upward trajectory for the foreseeable future, and from what I have heard, and I do have spoke to people at an EVGA directly myself. Yeah, a lot of them think that company may be gone within ten years. And I'm like, I have to point out, Florida man, that you say Nvidia's strong arm behavior and limited profitability, right? That would be an anti competitive avenue for legal recourse right it's it doesn't need to that's what we're talking about so I, I i have an issue here florida man with thank you for writing in but how you said they haven't put out of business and then you keep saying yet probably and strong-armed by basically a monopoly that's the well, point if they do go out of business that is when the lawsuits would happen
1: well yeah it's they're not a defunct business at this point i think i i, I I think everybody understands basically what happened uh they were forced out of the business because they don't get along with Nvidia anymore <laughs> now I, I I don't know the I remember the exact phrasing that would have been that you mm-hmm. would have used but it's just I I I think it's probably making a mountain out of a molehill but
0: <laughs> well I'd also suggest you don't need to put EVGA entirely out of business for them to have legal recourse oh yeah right they can become a husk of their former selves and they can still sue nvidia potentially or like potentially not saying they will or you know this is all spitballing if there was basically the conversation was is there even a there there and Mm -hmm. hogue said actually maybe you know okay so florida man thank you for writing in but don't get mad at me for suggesting evga may indirectly over time go out of business from this if evga goes out of business i don't think anybody's going to go and an nvidia had nothing and to do because, with it
1: and it's because the um mouses or mice they sell are not profitable enough exactly <laughs> that's what causes it. i think
0: everyone's going to bring up nvidia and their memorial if that happens um all right well Switching gears from NVIDIA's anti-competitive tactics to AMD's anti-intelligent operations, let us move on to story number one. Fluid frame additions added to all RX 6000 and 7000 series GPUs, Quoting from PC Gamer, with some editing. Uh, all of a sudden, fluid motion frame support is available, not just on any RX 7000 series GPU, like previously announced, by the way, but also on any RX 6000 series GPU as well for any game that runs DirectX 11 or DirectX 12. Fluid motion frames can be enabled on competing GPUs as well. It even functions on the massively popular and venerable GTX 1060. This dramatically widened support is in stark contrast to NVIDIA's DLSS 3 technology, which requires per-game support and the dedicated hardware acceleration features that are exclusive to the RTX 40 series GPUs. According to NVIDIA, only their hardware can run it. That's obviously up for debate. It's interesting to note that AMD did implement something that... I, speaking of me, theorize too if you watch the hardware and box evaluation of this new software release. Namely, that if a frame is predicted to have a ton of glitches in it, it is thrown out and real frames are used to fill in the gap. However, the way it works right now, presently, is it's not like it tops off the frames. It's it goes from natively rendering, for example, at 70 frames to suddenly natively rendering at 140 frames. And according to Tim at Hardware Box, this makes it incredibly jarring whenever this happens, right? So I had a theory that the holy grail of this technology would be if instead of having to render natively at half the frame rate to then generate the other half of the frames you could run at 144 hertz, and then every time maybe there's a flame to, to 130 hertz, they just generate the rest of them. So at least visually, it doesn't feel like there's a drop. I would also suggest that if that's how this worked, you probably wouldn't really notice the drop in, you know, it wouldn't be this half mm-hmm. input lag issue. It would be a bit of a drop in input lag, but no, it, it'd obviously be better than otherwise. Yeah, this theory only works if that's how it works. Instead, AMD is just jarringly dropping between one or between 72 and 144 frames and apparently it's horrible now there are suggestions out there that these jarring latency jumping issues can be fixed in an upcoming patch that may be true but at least for now timid hardware unboxed argued that the current implementation was so bad that turning on motion blur seemed to work better than afmf so, for high end enthusiasts, current testing suggests that AM, was it AFMF, is detrimental to your experience if you enable it in most cases. And also, with recent driver releases, anti lag plus rolled out and got a bunch of people banned in tons of online games. Yep. Some anti cheat protections flagged anti lag plus and banned people without warning, like in Counter Strike 2, for example. And this is insane that AMD didn't. Consider this when throwing out these drivers. So, you know, I don't know if I, if I missed anything here, Dan. It kind of seems like visually, and I tried it out right—the fluid frames injected mm-hmm. from the driver uh a week or two ago—and I thought visually it looked okay-ish, but it didn't feel great. And I thought DLSS three obviously looked better with its native implementation in Hogwarts Legacy. Although I thought both of them were kind of pointless when you can just turn down one setting to get the same native frame rate that's higher um but i don't know a lot of the more critical testing seems to suggest that this thing is at its best impressive but so inconsistent and half baked that it's embarrassing they released it in the state is my summarization wrong i mean i know you have an AMD graphics card in your main system and have tried it out more than me Uh, uh,
1: that's my experience with at least trying out fluid frames is with a, a 7900 xtx there's almost no reason to ever turn it on when you could just instead lower a different setting Mm -hmm. and higher actual frame rate, uh, rather than doing whatever this is, because my, my monitor is at, uh, 144 Hertz native. So essentially I have to drop my frame rate down to 72 Hertz. So I can actually get Mm -hmm. the benefit of the generated frame. So it's like, Oh, so I'm, I'm, lowering latency i mean i'm increasing latency a ton to do that and then uh turning on frame gen also has an impact to the native frame rate as well so i'm playing at a have to play at a drastically lower frame rate to generate all of these fake frames i didn't think they looked particularly good i i I thought an interesting thing uh about the uh, hardware unboxing was they actually used a capture card because the only thing I mm-hmm. uses I have is Relive for capture. And, I know you check
0: like, the frame rate by turning it on on your monitor though, right? Like that's yeah. how you force being able to tell.
1: Yeah, but the the problem with a recording with Relive is apparently it, <laughs> the uh, playback doesn't have a bunch of the artifacts that show up in the actual. Oh. So I was like, because I, I, while I was playing it, it felt. Shake uh, the best way I can explain it is it feels r- like a very shaky 144 hertz. So, like, I, I but it's almost jumping
0: between frame rates, probably in micro stutters all the time, according to how yeah, I boxed.
1: Yeah, so that's probably what I was catching on to because I, I kind of just preferred playing at 72 hertz over 144 hertz with frame gen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not that great. I don't really know who this is f- for at this point. I mean. I guess it's good that they implemented support on the 6,000 series. Um, so you can use this to increase your frame rate when you could just do something else anyways. But
0: Well, and do something else. like It's simple as I tried out DLSS 3 and Hogwarts Legacy, and I thought visually it looked much better than I expected. I didn't really notice the artifacts. Granted, I wasn't in a combat scene, and Hogwarts Legacy isn't like, I don't know, Spider-Man or, or 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 like a game that's super fast paced like Battlefield. Like it isn't. So yeah. it's probably an ideal situation. But at the same time, you know, when you say you could do something else to get to it, like I was at DLSS quality mode, whatever, just put it to balance that boost frame rates another 20, 30%. And now I just got a locked 120 or, or even performance mode because yeah, it'll, DLSS performance mode without frame gen, Maybe in static motion looks a little worse than DLSS three with frame gen and higher quality DLSS, <laughs> but it doesn't look that much worse, and the latency is significantly better. And there's no like crazy dolly picture artifacts ever. So I just don't know why you wouldn't do that. And I'd even say the same for FSR, even though FSR isn't quite as good. I'd say yeah, instead of FSR quality, you're already in 4K. Do FSR balanced instead of this ridiculousness. And
1: well, it, the the only thing I have like actual support for with FSR 3 that I, I could use as the forespoken demo. So that's what I tried it out with. And, and yeah, I, I would say I much preferred uh, increasing my frame rate to the game's frame rate cap by just instead of doing FSR quality, I do FSR balanced or even FSR uh, uh, performance. Or go and, through all
0: the settings and like lower one other graphic setting that you can't tell easily.
1: Yeah, because. The, the, the problem is um, I, I would get like about 100 frames per second on that game without, to, to my recollection, without frame gen. So I only wanted it for an extra 20 frames. And that's, I guess, just not how frame gen works. Uh, so I would rather just, like you said, decrease one small visual setting so I have a consistent experience instead of having whatever shaky nonsense you get out of fluid frames our frame gen
0: yeah and this is such a weird situation because i mean it was so bizarre like they announced rt or rx 7000 series support for this and then it would probably come out in early 2024 and then just out of nowhere they're like no it's going to support 6000 series to which i'd say okay thumbs up but then they went and it's out right now And then it has tons of issues. Actually, QH Freddy writes in, he says, why do you think AMD wasn't very forthcoming about the issues and bugs that FrameGen launched with? In communications with several reviewers, they alleged that VRR was working correctly, even though it demonstrably wasn't at multiple review houses, even with the same configurations that AMD used. Is Radeon just letting the community beta test their products like NVIDIA did with Turing RT and DLSS1? Or is this just another quirk of having rushed the launch to meet an impossible deadline they set? I, I think it has, it's it's probably some of the latter, but I think it has to be mostly the, f- uh, we, the, the first one there, which is just, I think um, AMD looks at NVIDIA and they go, you know, no one remembered after two years that the original DLSS was a complete and utter joke. And eventually this has to get out the door so we have everyone trying it and then we'll make it work good by the time. Because I think it's a calculation. You know what? Let's do everything we can to get it up to speed as quickly as possible so it's perfect when an RDNA 4 comes out. No one's going to care if it's bad now, especially if we don't really market it. We're just kind of, like, releasing it in beta. And, and they aren't marketing it, like, in reviews. Like, they're not like, hey, by the way, this is a major selling point on the box of our cards, to their credit. Mm-hmm. So I think that is what they're doing. I, I, or what do you think about this bizarre out-of-nowhere launch?
1: Well, the one thing I'd say is that, like, this is a lot worse than what uh, Nvidia did with the initial launches of DLSS because, mm. yeah, the first the first iterations of DLSS had some gnarly. Uh, I mean, they <laughs> were worse than just it.
0: doing resolution scaling.
1: Yeah, it, 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 in some games, I remember it would just like add ran- it, it would just add random, uh, like tess- I mean, uh, like aliasing to things. It, it didn't look very Sometimes good. Sometimes
0: trees I, in the background would just be a different shape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember, I think it was Hitman. There was a ton of ghosting issues on it. But at the end of the day, it was just a feature that you could turn on or turn off and it didn't really matter. And that's, that's still what this is. But,
0: when but you it didn't release have something, as many bugs, right? Like, there like weren't as many bugs. bugs
1: <laughs> and when you release something like Anti-Lag Plus, uh, there, there's an assumption that the things that are have driver-level support are, have some degree of official officiality to them Mm -hmm. and the fact that this is getting people's accounts banned is insane
0: like well compressed earthblocks writes in and says do you think that the anti-lag plus debacle with anti-cheat software banning people who use it is feeding into the perception of amd software equaling bad yes
1: yeah i mean i think they were starting to get out from under that but now they should rightly receive this criticism because you can't put out a, a, an official software feature that gets people banned like it, like this is some like freaking scam mod people buy to <laughs> to cheat in call of duty or something
0: i mean uh, honestly i've thought about that like i'm not like a professional gamer and i don't play as many competitive games as i used to uh even in my spare time for fun but you know I would think really twice about that, even not as a competitive game, let alone if I was one. Like, oh, I don't know if some point AMD is going to get me banned and hurt my ability to make money.
1: Yeah, I know. And it's, I I, I mean, I definitely won't be using Anti Lag Plus for. I was going to ask
0: you that. We play Battlefield sometimes. I mean, I don't. I don't remember. I don't think that's a game that's banning people. But I don't think
1: it is. But Still, I, I don't, like, I don't you're think you're probably it was. scared
0: to update the drivers, or you're going to like double check it's not enabled anytime you boot up a game now, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, because I don't want to run the risk. And you know, once it's been out for several months and they say that there's not an issue anymore, maybe I'll try it again. But uh, I don't really want to risk it. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I don't know that I have much else to say about this. I mean, I think it's obvious they launched all this stuff early just to get it out there to beta test. And on the one hand, I can see their mentality in terms of like, well, our sales are fine. Let's be honest. It's not going to be perfect for half a year. So let's just get it out to test it quicker and then we'll be ready for RDNA 4. I think there's no doubt that's a component of this, but the way they've handled it is just so unprofessional and the anti-lag plus stuff is shocking in confidence that yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's shocking incompetence.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I want else to say to something it.
0: nicer about it, but I can't. No, I, I,
1: it's this is disastrous. I, I, I really don't know what AMD was thinking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is definitely the worst unveiling they've had uh, for a while. And. I'm comparing it to RDNA, the RDNA three unveiled. This, this this is is a lot lot worse than that was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, moving from some bad drivers to other bad drivers, my girlfriend likes dressing up our pets and heck I do too. Sometimes probably a lot more than they like it themselves, but you know what's scarier than being dressed up by a giant human, like a strawberry or a tomato. Well, that's overpaying for Microsoft software. And that is why you should go to cdkeyoffer.com during their Halloween sales event. Whether it's Microsoft operating systems, office products, or many of the latest games, cdkeyoffer.com provides pc gamers with a product that i honestly think this community needs and that's just avoiding monopolistic prices on software especially windows and office products and you know the morsela's dead team has been working with this company for a very long time and still does for a reason they've been good to us they've been good to the community heck recently i got my girlfriend a new compact gaming pc as an early christmas present and when it came time to set up the office software, I realized she was paying a lot of money for a year for Microsoft 365. And she was blown away to realize that that was a predatory service. And you can get Microsoft professional 2021 office for like $50 and then you're done. And you know what? You can get that around $50 cost if you just use the offer code broken silicon for 25% off. And you can use the code die shrink as well to get 3% off every other piece of software on the website, whether it's Steam, EA, or Ubisoft Keys. Using either of these codes, broken silicon or die shrink, helps support war's laws dead a ton, and it saves you money. So support this channel by supporting cdkeyoffer.com during their Halloween sales event today. QH Freddy writes in and says, what is ARC like nowadays in terms of driver stability and general functioning of the software? Are there still any of those stupid issues like the transparent parts of the overlay being clickable, or straight-up broken. And that brings us to story number two, Intel A580 released to mixed reviews. But hey, it seems to work now. Last week, Intel surprisingly actually launched a product they announced over a year ago, the A580. This card is a 384 execution unit, 256-bit, 8-gigabyte cut-down variant of the same die the A770 uses. And look, it is totally worth mentioning that intel has actually seemingly boosted drivers this time with their latest releases unlike before where basically their price to performance increase was only because they dropped prices that i don't need to get into the light that time intel lied to everybody but this time it actually seemed real and to this day this new 180 dollars card still just trades blows with the rtx 3050 and RX 6600 while generally costing about the same in this writer's opinion this is progress but it does feel like it's a little—it's too little too late. However, it must be noted that yours truly did test the A770 again, and surprisingly, it almost entirely worked. However, I have to say that while it did work, I didn't have any crashes in every game booted up with a level of performance that allowed me to play the game in at least 1440p, I cannot say it works well enough to really be worth more than $250 for this 16-gigabyte card, nor more than $150 for the a 580. And that's because yes, there were some games where now it performs like a 3070 and yes on average I'd say it's about 10% better than launch uh, assuming we're only talking about the games that worked at launch. Um but there were games where seriously the A770 still performed like the 3050. Now that's like Battlefield 2042 that's an improvement from before where i swear it was performing like a 1050 ti (laughs) (laughs) but still it's like a 225 watt 3050 uh, without dlss and that's why i mean the only reason i think you can even consider this at 250 is if like your three top apps or games works perfectly And so what else is there to say? It seems like Intel has fixed Alchemist and concurrently launched the A580 at an actually somewhat reasonable price to draw attention to the fact that they fixed their drivers. But it does seem like most reviewers have still panned this card harder than previous ARC launches, suggesting to me that they think arc doesn't matter anymore and if you look around sales seem to be near zero with some retailers reporting that they didn't even order cards for launch which is something i leaked in my a580 analysis video from i believe a little over a week ago where one retailer didn't know what was out yet <laughs> <laughs> so dan what do you think of the a580 i mean uh, the
1: a580 looks fine to me the there is the problem if the performance is still that variable with the A seven seventy. It's probably that variable with the A five eighty. I mean, on paper, looking at a review, it looks it, it looks like it's probably fairly priced against the sixty six hundred. It gets about the same performance, little better, slightly worse uh, energy worse consumption. Than 1080p,
0: better in fourteen forty p or yeah, it
1: ties the sixty
0: six hundred. Let's just say that's what it does.
1: Yeah, so maybe if it's th- twenty or thirty dollars less than a a sixty six hundred, I I could see the argument for going for that instead. But it, they they are still bargain bin value cards that I I I do think that AMD and Nvidia both rightfully have the have their tax over the price performance uh, of uh, Arc in general and. Now it's finally where it's at. I feel. I mean, it's where it should have been when the cards actually launched. Like, it doesn't. What they were showing earlier on it feels like what the the feels like what these drivers should mm. have been. Uh, should have been there a year ago based on how they were marketing. Uh, Alchemist earlier on, but now I think it's finally at almost launch ready. So a year late, and uh, they're ready for launch. I. Uh, which that's nothing to write home about but i mean i'm not going to say it's bad that alchemist works now it's just probably too little too late
0: yeah it's funny i think i had i think i had a mostly positive slant to my a580 analysis video but i guess you could make an argument that the only reason it ended up sounding like i was more positive than usual is probably cuz my expectations have been so low at this point that even this, something that, if we're being honest, is the performance we should have seen a year ago, I considered that good news. Like maybe if I was in a vacuum, I would have looked at this and given it horrible reviews, and a lot of reviewers did.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I guess uh, I I've never used one of these things, so I, I can only speak to like what you see on paper from a review. Mm. And to me, the A five hundred and eighty doesn't look incredibly stupid next to a 6600 obviously though that's from coming from someone who hasn't used an a580 or alchemist ever
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think that was um that's something where it's like i just wish this point could get more traction but i don't think it will because nobody cares and you know whatever is reality you know it doesn't really matter if the zeitgeist decides to believe something else but i'm really annoyed by how at launch people acted like the product was in beta and if you buy it it'll improve over time you know this a770 still fucking performs like a 3050 sometimes that is in beta when it first came out i don't even think it was in alpha i mean it was it was corrupting windows installs like this thing was garbage it was not in beta now it's in beta and now everyone's just saying it's terrible no i just wish more reviewers at launch would have said this isn't even in beta and reserve the ability to say it's in beta now but instead they're just saying kind of it flipped which is odd to me like they've realized it was terrible and now they're saying it is even though it's actually improved
1: yeah i I mean like we were criticizing amd for the state of the drivers they released uh for fluid frames and I would say like yeah if your driver is at, your drivers are making other things in the system break that that's that's the point where you're not a beta tester anymore this should have been caught in labs and it yeah. wasn't
0: <laughs> Yeah I mean you know the early information I guess it depends what you mean by early cuz I think I was like the exclusive person covering alchemist for years before it came out but Like I should say like right before it actually came out, a lot of the suggestions I got from my sources was Intel's probably gonna do a very limited run of A seven seventies and the and A seven fifties, and then they're gonna dump a bunch of them, like artificially disabled into A five eighty, so they can sell them to OEMs for like a hundred bucks and just get rid of them. But that never really happened because they, like Dell, for example, I know specifically couldn't validate them to the reliability standards to go into Dell PC, and so they refused <laughs> to buy them because they said, "Intel, you're, you're not meeting our test. Like we can't buy them from you. We won't. We we can't take them for free because we have standards in the company that." say we can't buy anything unless it meets this and we'd have to change a corporate protocol for that. We're not going to. And I mean that's how bad it worked, you know, until just about now I think they can finally start selling these to OEMs. And I would suggest there's maybe there is still one or two million A580s that are now just going to be dumped into Dell PCs for bargain bin pricing. But again, way too late for it to matter.
1: We'll see. I I I mean depending on how cheap it is, that could sell well. But I, I, I do think Alchemist is it, 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 the the brand has killed itself before it really even launched. So I, I I don't know who would want it. It's for people that don't know PC parts and they're like, oh, I guess there's that Intel thing in there and, and don't really know what it is.
0: Yeah, like, that's I can't I help but buying. I can't help but think that what they should have done. And again, it, there's no good answers here because I mean, but I think they should have not launched the A seven seventy until now for 250. Like what they should have done is they should have just launched them in laptops if they could get any OEM to take them and they should have maybe had the A5 the A380 out there as kind of proof they've desktop cards and they should have saved the say 770 for 250, the A750 for 150 and I know they're probably losing out uh, 50 bucks on each card, but wait until they work, which would have been now, drop them for those prices. In very limited numbers, and then just call it a day, and then only really done laptop releases uh, until they're sure they have something impressive. Because what they've done, I believe, based on what I'm seeing and like the low VR accounts on like Gamers Nexus and Hardware Unboxed, and the fact that I can't already, the A580, by the way, is dropping in price uh, on Newegg with like effectively, as far as I can tell, no sales is it doesn't matter if battle mage is good now it would be a bad business decision to launch it because no one wants an arc sticker on their card and i it didn't have to end up like this and when i did that uh, you know arc effectively canceled leak it's like this this is exactly how i thought it was gonna look it's actually worse i thought the a580 would come out sooner but like yeah worse. i mean it, and, it, it, and they've it, it, killed their brand so you got like when people argue with me they have to understand intel's out of money and now even if Battle Mage is good, it won't sell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which I have no expectation that it will be good. I guess they're not; they wouldn't be restarting from uh, square one. So presumably it would have to be better than this, but you never know. Mm-hmm. QH Freddy writes
0: in and he says, Why would Intel's decision to move forward with Battle Mage dedicated graphics lineup hinge on the IGP of Meteor like doing well? um well so and he's referencing a part of my video and actually part of another video where i talk about this uh qh ready it's not that i think like everyone else is watching meteor lake to see if battle mage will do well i just am for my own recommendations Mm -hmm. because i I guess i haven't tested like tiger lake graphics again yet but as far as i could tell technically well technically alchemist is supposed to be like a 0.5 iteration on the same graphics that are in raptor and tiger Lake, so. They use the same driver stack, and they weren't always the same, but the driver issues were very similar in my testing between those no. integrated 96 execution unit graphics and this. Like the same games didn't work, so that tells you it's almost the same architecture. And the problem I had with that is people said Alchemist will get better, just wait. I was like, it's been fucking three years and Tiger Lake still doesn't work. Why do you believe this one? <laughs> you know. And so from that perspective, Meteor Lake uses Alchemist Plus, and it is different. I leaked. The layout, it does look notably better. Like, it, I almost think you could have called it its own architecture because I think it might do like a doubling of stream processors per execution unit, like Ampere did. So I don't know why they're calling it Alchemist Plus. It seems entirely different. Hopefully, I didn't just make my sound sound stupid. People correct me in the comments there, but I thought, I believe that's what I saw and leaked, and they're confirmed from now. But they're just going to call it ZLP Alchemist Plus. I don't even know if they'll officially call it Alchemist Plus, but I think it's different enough, enough of an iteration. Like, it seems like almost more different, like Alchemist to Alchemist Plus seems more different than Tiger Lake to Alchemist. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me is, okay, well here, it it's not a dedicated card, but close enough to a new architecture. I want to see Meteor Lake run every game well at launch and have no driver issues. If it does, then I'll go, okay, Battle Mage ma- maybe I'll give Battlemage a fair chance here and tell people to consider buying it when it comes out but if meteor lake can't run starfield above five frames a second can't boot a few games then no i don't i'm not gonna tell anyone to buy battle mage you (laughs) need to have a generation where it works at launch or i'm not going to tell anyone to buy the next gen and it's because this isn't in a vacuum we don't have guns up to our heads forcing us to buy intel all right, we have other options for me to even consider another option when at this point NVIDIA is just hammering out stuff at a steady clip, and at least usually AMD is doing well. I don't know why you would take a gamble on something else. I mean, really think about that too. Like, these, these 6600 costs, like, what on average, $20 more or something than the uh, A580 20 20. You won't pay $20 to not have headaches. I mean, come on, yeah. Um, Carbon Cry writes him. He says, "In your recent Intel leaks, I was surprised by adamantine being barely mentioned. Is adamantine still planned for Meteor Lake? What about Air Lake and Onwards? Well, it's supposed to be a key feature of Battle Mage. Um, and at, well, at first, Meteor Lake was supposed to get the Battle Mage tile, but it's not ready. <laughs> um, and anyone, by the way, who doubts this, I'll actually see if I can have draw put this on screen. Meteor Lake now is 128 execution units. A couple of years ago, they had a fucking slide where it said 192." So, like, this isn't me getting something wrong. Like, they literally announced different specs for Meteor Lake graphics than what they're going to end up launching. And I think that's because Meteor Lake was going to get Battle Mage, Arrow Lake was going to get Celestial, and now everything's a gen behind because of how bad AXG is doing. So, if Adam was a key feature of Battle Mage... For all I know, that's why it was supposed to be in Meteor. Like I, I still think I remember hearing that Alchemist Plus was going to support it as well. And I believe it does. I'm actually, uh, yeah, I am still told it does. I'm remembering now. But so far, I'm not hearing of any specific models that support it. So I guess we'll see. To my memory, the last time I asked about it, Carbon Cry was someone telling me, there's still a chance of some limited edition Meteor like launch with Adamanti next year. But don't expect a lot of it because, you know, all of this stuff may not be high performance enough to wa- warrant the cost of adding all of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. Adamantine's still out there. Battle mage is supposed to use it. Um, I believe Arrow Lake is supposed to use it as well, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to be in the initial Meteor Lake launch, and I think a third party would suggest that doesn't look like a good thing. <laughs> all right, <laughs> or that does not bode yeah. well for. If Adamantine's as good as it was sold to me as it should be by people at Intel. All right, now let us finally move on to a new story. I didn't realize we would talk that much about the A580 with story number three nvidia's raising prices on the rtx 4090 before launching the super series all right i have a write-up here over the weekend you may have noticed that tim at hardware unboxed noted that the rtx 4090 seems to be going up in price that indeed it is related to the new ai export controls put in place for the rtx 4090 among other ai cards to be barred from being sold in china and a few other countries like i believe i saw vietnam For obvious reasons, because that's how you smuggle stuff into China half the time.
1: Vietnam, Uh, UAE, and Saudi Arabia. And
0: Saudi Arabia, yeah. Uh, Well, over the weekend, yours truly was sent a miasma of information from our sources confirming the following. Dan's impressed by that word there. Uh, Yes, partner pricing is being raised for the RTX 4090, but it is also going hand-in-hand with even more throttled supply you should expect the 4090 to go up in price by at least $100 across the board within about a month and possibly even higher throughout the holiday season. This is stemming from the fact that NVIDIA does not want to shift supply out of Asia, nor, n- no, they'll let smugglers bring the 4090 right into China, right? Because there is some suggestion, well, if you can't sell this into China, shouldn't you be shipping these to the US? The answer is no, they don't want to pay for that shipping. They're just going to sell them to countries all around China and, wink if they decide to somehow find their way into china is what i'm hearing uh but also they see this as a chance to up prices in the us as well they see this as an excuse to up prices and hoping nobody notices it doesn't really make sense that the export controls would do this in the us um and ultimately from what i'm told the reason they are doing this is they want 40 series street pricing to overall drift above MSRP by CES, which is at the beginning of January, where they will announce the Super Series pricing and look extra good, right? Because if they were to announce a 4070 Super 16 gigabyte, that's effectively a 4080, but a little weaker for 900. But the 4080 was already being sold for a thousand. Nobody would probably care. Which, on that mm. note. I can confirm the Super Series is coming. Firm decisions on segmentation have not been yet made yet, but it seems incredibly likely that a major focus of this series will revolve around the launching of a 4070 16-gigabyte Super that is effectively a 4080 price drop with a 4070 cooler or something, and then a 4080 Super that I would suggest pushes 80103 as hard as possible to offer near 4090 performance, well, being able to get through export controls, because to be clear, from what I'm told, the export controls are on ad They push a 4080 Super with ad crazy hard with faster memory that might get through some export controls. And so my guess is they would do that also to milk a smaller die, more so than make a 102 die that they have to sell for less. I don't know why they would do that, right? Mm. Uh, but that's just what I think. I can't promise you they won't do any of those things, you know. So, all right, Dan, what did you think about this? This was a last-minute video I put out before we recorded this.
1: Well, all I hope for is stuff like this, uh, the super series, I wasn't sure how seriously to take it mm-hmm. uh, at, at first, but eh, it does seem like you and a bunch of other leakers have have uh, all, all said the su- series, super series, is something that exists. So. I, I, it's always hard for to judge at this point though because i don't know what the pricing for it is going to be at this point so if it's not effectively if it's effectively bringing the 4080 to 900 dollars by not having a stupid big cooler i mean and it'll be slightly weaker that's probably good for the market but i hope what it isn't is a, an effective cancellation of like the forty seventy Ti or something, so they can raise effectively raise <laughs> prices uh, by another hundred dollars or something, and you know get rid of that price point. Which that's market. a
0: criticism I had of the Super Series with Turing. I you know I started the channel around when Super yep. came out, so I actually was Moore's Law's dead existed when that happened, people. Um, and I remember my opinion being, oh yeah, I remember this video. I actually have to see if I can. Find uh that thing, but I had like has anyone noticed they just raised the price of the twenty sixty to four hundred dollars when this thing used to cost three hundred in the previous gen, and everyone's bragging about eight gigabytes. the four eighty has eight gigabytes for two hundred dollars. Who gives a shit? I remember I said back then, and (laughs) it's almost like they're doing a Jedi mind trick to make you think this is exciting when they just got everybody to sign off on four hundred dollars sixty series cards.
1: Yeah, I mean We'll see. If it's if it's only two cards, I don't think we're going to have another Ampere situation, at least, where there's too many cards at the top end. But I, I, what, AM, what NVIDIA is doing, I feel, a lot of the times when they re- do all of these refresh series, is they're effectively canceling mm. one product and replacing it with a different one. And you need to watch out, well, what are they replacing it with? Is this actually good for the market or is it just effectively raising prices by getting rid of certain models and adding new, more expensive ones? Now, if it brings the Mm -hmm. 4080 all the way down to $900 or or that level of performance all the way down to like $900, okay, well, then maybe there's an argument of getting like a 4070 super or whatever it will be called. Uh, maybe there will be an argument to get that over the 7,900 XTX at $900, but you know, we don't, won't know what that until it's actually out. I also do just really dislike the existence of supers next to TIs because it's not immediately evident which one is more powerful than the other one. I mean, if it's more expensive, it's presumably stronger, but I I think it's very confusing branding.
0: Yeah, because there was the 1660 Super, I believe, right? And there was a so. 1650... Let me look it up. I need to remember. Right? there, There's the 16... Yeah, there's a
1: 1660 Super.
0: There's the 1660 Super, which was a 5% weaker 1660 Ti that, you know, they didn't it, but it was a little weaker, you know, and then there was the 2080 Super, which was... Actually, weaker than... Yeah, which was also weaker than the 2080 Ti. So, I guess... I guess 4070 Super. I don't know, though. That's weird if they call it that. I almost wonder if they'll just call it the 4070 Ti 16 gigabyte. Oh. Now that I think about it. I guess. That's a... That would make more sense, though, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the Super series was... who knows what they will call it everybody seems to be saying super i don't know if that's just i i don't know if that's just what we've consolidated around calling it and they're actually going to call it something else but because like the 4080 ti doesn't exist yet so the 4080 ti still could be the new 20 gigabyte thing i thing that's coming out and the 4070 super or whatever we're calling it right now who knows what they would call that because yeah if they like switched which one that was stronger with the TI and super that would make the that using that moniker even more confusing going forward
0: yeah i guess i have my opinion on what i think they're going to do and it's actually a little different from the video i just put out already but you know you've talked about we have to see what it is you know how do we know this isn't just raising prices what is a realistic lineup change that you think could happen that would be good. What does good look like?
1: Um, I mean, I I think it would look good if this if they either if this was either a soft cancellation of like the forty eighty, uh, so and then they have two cards above and below it, and then you get a slight price drop of the forty seventy. Well, the forty seventy Ti is already dropped in price though, so I I think that would be okay. Um, because I don't think you're really effectively raising prices if that's what you're doing. Um, I think it would look bad if they kept trying to sell the 4080, although it doesn't seem like people are really buying that thing. So if I, I think if the 4070 Super is like 900 bucks and the 4080 Super slash TI is the same <laughs> is the same price as the 4080 or only $100 more, that wouldn't be terrible. Mm-hmm yeah
0: i guess i guess let me check something here because I, i'm starting to come to the conclusion of a realistic lineup that i think they could do that would be an enhancement but it does come with a lot of caveats about like what they're trying to get away with here let me just yeah so i just want to check what the current prices were on a couple of things so here's yeah so here's what i would suggest they're probably going to do all right so they keep the 4090 where it is selling at like 1800 Mm -hmm. and then they drop a 4080 super that again remember they're not even using the fastest memory right now there's gdr6x that's 24 gigabit per second i think they throw that on there i think they enable like 10 like the five or seven percent more cores that are disabled so it's fully enabled and then i think they push it to 350 watts and make it a real 350 watts like right now they claim the 30 the 4080 Is a 320 watt card. It's not. It uses like 280 watts. I tested one. It's ridiculous. Like the thing Mm -hmm. never hits that. So I think if they really push that, so stock clocks are always at like 2.8 gigahertz with a full die, for sure they can push performance with that new memory to 15% higher. That gets you probably within 15% of the performance of a 4090, 1200, but those would be really good yields. So now they have to disable more. That's fine. They probably disable something like 5% lower on the 4080, maybe they even give it faster memory too so the performance is like 1% <laughs> lower. They call that the 4070 Ti, 16 gigabyte for 900, discontinue the 4070 Ti. Then they make a 4070 Super that is effectively a 4070 Ti for 700. And then I think they drop a 4060 Super that is effectively a 4060 Ti 8 gigabyte and they leave that at 350 and then they allow the 4060 ti 16 gigabyte hit 400. that's kind of what i'm guessing they're gonna do here and i think that would help their sales a lot to be honest though i don't think amd would have to respond that much to that just cement their street pricing as official pricing they can call it a day they'll still sell fine
1: no i don't think amd needs to release any new models i i, I kind of feel like that's just Nvidia doing the work to bring their price performance more in line with what AMD has. So AMD would probably either need to respond depending on how aggressive they are with the pricing at Nvidia. They would need to either, like you said, solidify their street pricing or maybe slash MSRPs by like 50 bucks.
0: Yeah. Um, Because again, you know, from what I've heard, and this was, you know, in my video as well, the 4080, one AIB Dan seriously told me this worst selling high-end card in their company's history <laughs> like they're saying going back like 10 years at least like this is the worst selling card so that means a 1200 4080 in a nine a one 900 to 1000 dollars 7900 xtx every like nine out of ten people say give me 50 percent more ram and a cheap and 20 percent less price and i'll just get that so i think if they launch something five to ten percent weaker than a 4080 for 900 and AMD still has the $900, 7900 XTX, I think they'll yeah. go, well, AMD's is stronger and still is 50% more RAM. I don't think AMD really would need to drop prices, just announce that the 7900 XTX is now 900 or 850 or something, announce the 7900 XT is officially 750 and call it a day. I, I actually think they could still keep selling things fine. And I still hear the 7800 XT, a lot of people can't keep it in stock.
1: Yeah, yeah I, it, we'll see. I, I mean, it, it, I, I'm just saying... Depending on how aggressive they are with pricing with at Nvidia because I guess you'll i guess we'll see how aggressive they are this isn't uh, clearly isn't that successful of a generation for them, so it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to get more aggressive mm-hmm. Um, beefish36
0: writes, and he says, hey, Tom and Dan, a question for you around NVIDIA. We know Super Refresh is coming to desktop. What are you hearing about laptop? Their laptop lineup is arguably more broken than desktop. The 4060 makes the 4070 pretty much irrelevant, and the 4070 voltage limitation and lack of VRAM actually makes the 3070 DETI a compelling alternative. The 4080 would have been great as a 4070, but as an 80, it was overpriced and didn't have enough RAM. I'd expect at least a 4070 Super in laptop. What have you heard, if anything? Um... I've been told the decisions haven't even been made yet, how they're going to segment. But I think just common sense dictates, yeah, they're going to refresh the laptop one. Because, indeed, that's even worse. And now AMD's announced the 7900M. I don't think it's a real threat because I don't know how many OEMs are even going to use it. But I've heard laptop sales for NVIDIA are down quite a bit. So I'm just going to say it. Yes, I think there will be a 12-gigabyte 4070 Super Laptop. And I think there might be a 16 gigabyte 4080 super to compete with the 7900M.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just think in laptop, they're kind of just making their previous gen look uh, of GPUs look more compelling with their uh, on a laptop. So something has to give at some point because uh, the pricing just really doesn't seem to be there for uh, Lovelace on laptop.
0: Well, speaking of the pricing not being there to make sense, let us move on to story number four. Getting out and enjoying the weather, or is it too hot to get outside? Well, either way, whether you're looking for an easy meal on the go, or something quick and delicious while you're cooped up inside, Vite Ramen has you covered. This piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Light Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers tons of options for eating healthy. Their classic packages make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, including new flavors like Radiant Crab ryu. And also their Ramen Go packages offer a healthy microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break away from home. Or they even have other healthy products like Nano Boost Powder that makes any food at least a little healthy. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on a variety of products, including special bundles for Moore's Law is Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes, and other food products, powders, cooking utensils, and more. They are a plucky, small, but rapidly growing company that has been good to Moore's Law is Dead for years. So, you know, supporting them helps support me. And even just clicking on the link below makes a big difference for Moore's Law is Dead. But I really do really like their products and I recommend you try them as well. So check out Vite Ramen today. Really? I'm gonna keep the glasses on for more than a minute. Intel i9 14900K, 14700K, and 14600K release two rock bottom reviews, quoting from both AnandTech and Hardware Unboxed together. Intel's 14th-gen core and Intel's 13th-gen core are virtually identical in relation to P and E core architectures and all the silicon underneath that IHS. Aside from the bump in E core count for the Core i7 series, that is the i7-14700K or KF chips, which brings four more E cores than the predecessor i7s, we're looking at the same core counts as the previous gen across the gambit, uh, just running at higher clocks. Raptor Lake Refresh is pretty much just that then. It certainly doesn't deserve to be called a 14th generation, other than the 14700K. It's just a simple rebranding with some software optimization for games. And for the most part, this feels like a complete waste of time. Hardware and Box stated that they would rather Intel waited until they actually had a 14th generation to release rather than just rehash what was already available. And uh, yeah, this channel, me, Dan, I think we generally agree with these statements from our peers. On this, And it's worth noting that the 7800X3D, I actually screenshotted it when it happened, outsold Intel on the day one release for Raptor Lake Refresh, which is an insanely bad omen for 14th gen sales. Because no matter how bad a generation is at first, almost always a new release at least gets to the number one spot from one of these companies. And the fact that it hasn't compared to AMD is shocking. Now, to those that say that Intel should have just dropped prices on 13th gen, I have to say this. They cannot afford to, and I outlined this in a video. Go look at Intel's earnings. This release is the only way Intel could find a way to afford an increase in price performance on desktop for the next year. Speaking of next year, they're also doing this because they felt like they had to release something for OEMs to sell for another year. They have nothing for over a year until Aerolate comes out. That's right. AMD is launching Zen 5 in under half a year from now, and Arrow Lake, from what I'm told, is not launching until possibly the very end of 2024, like I'm talking November or December. What you are seeing, Raptor Lake Refresh 14th gen, as bad as it is, is all Intel will have to compete with Zen 5. All right, Dan, what did you think about this release?
1: Well, if Zen 5 were still a year away, I think this would be kind of a nothing burger story. It's just like, Mm. uh, all right, they rebranded their raptor lake and now it's called 14 to make oems happy like that's all, all it really feels like to me um because like looking up the reviews it's it's pretty stark how exactly the same all of their these parts are to their predecessor like they're all a little bit better so i guess if you were thinking of getting a thirteen seven hundred k and you were in the position where it made sense to get a 13,700 K, get a 14,700 K. Now, mm-hmm. other than that, I don't know what my recommendation would even be. Like if you're getting the I five, almost just getting the thirteen six hundred K still makes sense. Uh, depending on pricing. If and- you saw
0: me jump, I'd like just out of nowhere, a loud noise was made on YouTube. <laughs> it scared me. Sorry, go on.
1: And Based on the uh, energy usage problems that the that Raptor Lake has, and given that they can be worse with Raptor Lake refresh, I don't know. I might still say you should get a 13900K instead of a th- 14900K. Or just get a 7950X slash X3D and not deal with either of them.
0: Yeah, I mean... Um I think then let's just skip right to if you can recommend any of them. It says like you find it hard to recommend them. My opinion is it's very hard for me to come up with any recommendation for the 14900K. I just, I I can't, I don't see the point, I I, I don't. If you're a creator, get, it's $600 or more, get the 7950X for like 550, save 10% to use half the energy for 95% the performance. And then outside of that, I think the i7, I liked the 13700K, I have one actually right over here, Uh, and I think this kind of treads water, but only for creators this time around. It's good enough at gaming, it's close enough to the 7800X 3D, in my opinion, that you're not going to notice the difference. It wins some games, it's almost always within 10% of the performance, Um, and in multi-threading it can be like 50% higher sometimes. So you know, I mean, it makes sense maybe to get the i7 if you're mostly using it as a creator, but only if you're mostly, even if if it's 50-50 gaming, get the 7800X 3D. Even while doing creator tasks. you'll be using half the energy. So I just don't get the point. Um, And the i5 is the same thing, it's just worse, because it's actually like a full 20% behind the 7800X 3D in gaming, while using double the energy at least, maybe triple. And in multi-threading, it's only like 20% better. So if you're 90% 90% using it for its multi-threading performance for some reason, and you're a creator, I still see an argument for the i5 here. But yeah. that's it. It does not make sense for gaming. The 7600 comes with a cooler and is $100 less, and the 7800X 3D is about the same price now. It's like $350 at microcenter. So there's no point to get the i5 if even half of your use is gaming.
1: Yeah, and that's why... I settle on. I, I think the fourteen seven hundred K the the i seven the is. There is an argument for getting that over the thirteen seven hundred K if it's for that very very niche use case, which I would d- recommend that you get it for that. And then the i five. The problem is it's just the same thing again, basically. So it's like I don't know wh- why would I recommend this over the thirteen seven hundred K or in ninety five percent, probably more percent of situations why wouldn't i just recommend the 7700x the 7800x 3d if you're if you're trying to save money uh there's just no use case for it
0: (laughs) yeah that 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 is what i think and uh the only last thing i have to say about this is i think there was a misnomer about dlvr people were acting like well it doesn't seem to be there no it is if you look at reviews the i5-14600k uses less energy than its predecessor while performing better That is not just through binning it has a better voltage regulator that was not enabled in the previous gen because of that it is more performance for less power the i7 is almost there but the problem is the i5 isn't thermally constrained the i7 almost isn't and that's why you can see it it seems the (laughs) they're already so thermally tapped out that you don't even see the benefits really of dlvr in reviews you you just have a product that's five percent better and uses ten percent more energy also because motherboard manufacturers are going insane but intel's clearly not telling them not to with their voltage limitations so it's yeah. just crazy it, it's just funny to just go back like my opinion on the thirteen nine hundred k was just let it be a 200 watt processor that is two percent weaker and then they would have had room for a more impressive gen but the, it's just crazy to see how tapped out they are and i can't help but wonder what's going to happen with aero lake because that 40 core version i mean that thing's definitely going to push 450 watts then i think and it's going to be interesting to see what the thermal limitations are moving on with their next generation you know because they're pushing this so god dang hard might it make the next gen not even look that great
1: <sighs> I, you know arrow <laughs> all i can say is aero lake has to be good or or this is just bad like they looked resurgent with Alder lake but it's who knows if that really was just a dead cat bounce
0: well i think the best analogy you made um recently was we thought alder lake, like intel felt like a sinking ship when it went from comet lake to rocket lake during the zen three era i was like they just seemed to be done for and then alder lake came out and everyone's like well now the ship's not sinking anymore and you said, well, did the ship stop sinking, or is Alder Lake just such a big bucket for bailing water that it <laughs> felt like it wasn't sinking? You know, right? Because yeah. you're only going to stop the ship from sinking if you eventually patch the holes. But, well, Carbon Cry writes him, and he says, Intel 14th gen, oh boy, in hindsight, it is clear the 10 nanometer area should have been expected to be just a repeat of the 14 nanometer era. Same conditions pushed through the same company results in the same old shit. Seriously, think about it. You can compare Broadwell to Ice Lake, Sky Lake to Tiger Lake, KB Lake to Alder Lake, Comet Lake to Raptor Lake, and Rocket Lake to Raptor Lake refresh. Yes, the uh, architecture comparisons aren't perfect, but the sentiment in the market seems to be kind of similar.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it it really sounded... Intel was making it appear to me that they were that they had caught on that, that Zen was, that they were really falling behind when competing with Zen. And now it looks like what he said. It's just the same design philosophy um, a, a, attached to a new architecture where they are trying to get everything out of this that they can uh, by iterating and iterating and never really upgrading their technology over the course of like four years. And it's just, okay. Well, you guys need to get, make this better at some point.
0: But that's the crazy thing is from what I've heard, and I've reeked uh, reeked and I've leaked something that reeked recently is that it seems like what a lot of the desktop iterations have been cancelled of like Panther Lake and stuff and or delayed. And it just seems like what we're gonna see is Arrow Lake come out a year after Zen 5's out, making it basically a one to one comparison of Alder Lake to Zen 3. And then instead of having a truly new architecture a year later, it's Arrow Lake 2.0, just like Raptor Lake, adding more little (laughs) cores, same goddamn architecture, against Zen 6, just like Raptor Lake against Zen 4. And then after that, I, I don't know. Zen Six may just have a field day until Noble Lake comes out. It really does feel like a repeat. Um, Quick Jumper writes in. She says, Hello, Tom and Dan. It seems to me that Intel's strategy hasn't changed at all. AMD seems to be constantly reworking the architecture in small steps every gen. Well, Intel makes one giant gain with something like Skylake or Alder Lake and then iterates on it like crazy. Seriously, it seems like they've learned nothing. Will Arrow Lake be iterated into oblivion? We'll see. 50, maybe. Kind of seems <laughs> like maybe, you know. And if that's the case arrow Lake better be 30 percent better single threading
1: you know i remember when sandy bridge came out they were really big on the tick tock uh analogy it seems like they're on the tick tock 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 um, uh, uh methodology at this point so that's that's my expectation with arrow lake i guess
0: QH Freddy writes in with an interesting question. He says, how do you assess the possibility of an LGA Meteor Lake product at this time? When do you think it would launch, if it does, would it made, have made sense to launch alongside Raptor Lake R to improve sentiment? Well, if they launched the full 8 plus 16 core model and it would have worked well and been on time, yeah, I think that would have been a much better situation. I mean, what do you, th- I mean, tell me what you think, Dan. Like, let's say, let's say hypothetically, you know, instead of launching this garbage a month from now or something, they launched desktop meter, like eight big cores, 16 little cores, and let's, and I know there was a six plus 16 as well, but let's assume they did eight. Um, and let's say it was, you know, like 5.5 gigahertz. So with IPC and everything, let's say it's like roughly the same performance as now. In some workloads, it's a lot better. And instead of using like 400 watts, eh, it uses like 150 watts and it has a new platform and better integrated graphics. Would that have been a better situation than now?
1: I mean, yeah. I, I just, I, 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 think that they couldn't have done that, be, or, or they, that would. they would have done because this, do, this doesn't really feel like a new generation, and I don't know why they're trying to make it look like that. But
0: well, I think on paper they again they had a real op chance here to boost performance ten to fifteen percent, and I guess they kind of do with some of their SKUs, but again, it's. What I did not see coming is just how thermally tapped out it already was that they didn't have room to go anywhere. Um, (laughs) Oh, and and to directly answer QH Freddy's question, I don't think it's really coming. I mean, look, there's pictures out there of an LGA 1851 meter lake. So it's out there. They have prototypes for it. I just would suggest right now it seems very unlikely they're going to launch it in lieu of just trying to accelerate AeroLake especially mm-hmm. cuz it sounds like the i5 and lower is made on their own nodes so they're about to they've ordered so much capacity for AeroLake they've so much oversupply of Raptor Like heck that's probably half the reason they cancel Meteor Lake on desktop as well I don't think they can afford to launch it I think they have to try to get rid of their 10 nanometer oversupply so <laughs> they have somewhere to go with their Intel with their TSMC 3 nanometer and 20A oversupply that's coming in a year. Um, DeadEyes117 writes, and it says, with how disappointing the gains are from Intel's 14th-gen CPUs, begs the question why they bothered releasing them. I've heard ideas like OEMs wanting a new part or having an excuse to discount 13th-gen to increase sales without admitting they were overpriced. Do you think part of the motivation might have been being able to technically claim that there's socket slash chips that supports three generations for the first time in a very long time to combat some of the goodwill that amd earned with long-term support of am4 no
1: i mean i i don't think you do that by releasing a generation that everybody thinks is awful which yeah i i there's no way intel released this expecting it would get super great reviews
0: No, I do think it's getting worse reviews than they expected, though. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that Zen 4 is aging better than Raptor Lake now, maybe Mm -hmm. because Raptor Lake's a three-year-old generation and Zen 4 has more future-looking capabilities. And I think that's what I told people, and they're all hating at me for my claims about Zen 4, X3D. Guys, it's gonna age better. Like over time, it's Raptor I do not think Raptor Lake's gonna age well. There, there's gonna be a lot of new games where X3D is double digits better while using significantly less energy. And I think some future games are going to show mega, you know, it's gonna be the same with Zen 3 X3D versus well, I mean, what do you want to compare it to? Rocket Lake, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um all right. Let us now then move on to story number five, something that was surprisingly actually good this week. Uh, Zenforth, Red Ripper, and 7900M announced. All right, I have a write-up. Last week, AMD announced both a new high-end laptop GPU and also the surprising return to HEDT with Zen4 Threadripper. Indeed, AMD announced two Threadripper product lines. With both product lines, AMD is targeting customer bases that need CPUs more powerful than a desktop Ryzen, but not as exotic or expensive as AMD's server wares. This means chips with lots and lots of CPU cores, up to 96 cores in the case of Threadripper Pro, as well as support for a good deal more I.O. for both variance. The amount varies with the specific chip lineup, but most both of them leave Ryzen 7000 and it's 16 cores and 24 PCI lays in the dust. Most notably for this generation of 3rd parts, AMD is once again offering the HDT focused non-pro lineup with the Zen 3 based Threadripper 5000 series and the only ever released workstation pro products for Zen 3. And a lot of people actually people told me, you know, hdt wasn't coming back for a long time. So this is a welcomed last minute decision change here. Um, interestingly, both Threadripper and Threadripper Pro seem to use the same physical socket, but with differentiated platforms. The big difference between these platforms, Pro and Non-Pro, is the I.O. Non-Pro has half the PCIe lanes and half the memory bus and half the memory capacity. Although, to be fair, the Non-Pro Threadripper will still allow 48 lanes of PCIe 5.0 and up to 92 lanes total, which is interesting. I really like that, Dan. Like, you have 48 PCIe lanes of 5.0, but you still have... Like, what is that then another 30 30 40 another 44 lanes of 4.0 that you mm-hmm. can use I mean so as I do not think you need 5.0 for everything so this is crazy overkill uh the clocks are the same with both base and top boost between the two variants and the non-pro caps out at 64 cores and also lacks some of the features from epic and the pro of course goes of the 96 cores only MSRPs for the non-pro have been announced, with I believe it being like $1,500 for the 24 core, so a little more aggressive than you might have expected, which suggests Threadripper Pro will be launching for OEMs only at first, and have a limited do-it-yourself availability for a long time. And indeed, as leaked in the latest loose ends, Threadripper, I maintain it, is still expected to be a very limited availability until quarter one. In fact, if you look at the fine print, AMD is pretty uncommitted to when things really come out, basically saying like what was it, like November 27th, i think they're gonna at the end of november on thanksgiving have a paper launch Mm -hmm. for threadripper and then you won't really be able to buy it until the end of december easily like that's kind of what it seems like so again i always leaked threadripper will be lucky to launch at the end of 2023 and there's a chance it doesn't come out until 2024 that's what we're getting paper launch 2023 real volume 2024 um but yeah so at at a minimum though this clearly did pull the wind out of the sails for sapphire rapids refresh workstation and for the raptor lake refresh launch i I think that was a big part of this and i gotta say like according to the people i talked to um seriously like as of like a month ago no one was being told about this And there's still not that much information provided to my retail context. So I think like literally like as of like two or three weeks ago, they made the decision to do this. So, uh, and then what else was there? Oh, and I didn't even really get to it. So yeah, and then there was the 7900M, which is 72 compute units, 256-bit bus, 16 gigabytes of RAM. It looks like it'll be notably stronger than the 4070 and probably even 4080 laptop, but not be as efficient. And it's coming to Alienware only at first. So
1: sorry, Dan. The seventy nine hundred M, I believe they were com- they were comparing uh, when they on their web page they were comparing it to the forty eighty laptop at a lower TDP, which was an interesting choice. <laughs> but um, yeah, the seventy nine hundred M looks like it should be fine. I, the only thing I'm worried about with the seventy nine hundred M is that it's going to be super power hungry.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it looks like it's going to consume the same. Im- <laughs> it's going to be more comparable to the power profiles of the 4080 or i'm sorry the 4090 m like that's what mm-hmm. it's going to be comparable to well probably performing distinctly in between the 4080 and 4090 laptop cards like it'll perform in between them it will have the ram of the 4090 laptop edition but it's it's you know at 200 watts the 4090 is going to win by a decent amount and at 150 watts you know, it's going to start being more comparable to the 4080 laptop edition, but it has more RAM. I, I do think at 200 watts, it will be at the 4080 laptop decently, though. It kind of sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, it, that's just such a confuse a weird product because in some ways it makes it a lot better than a 4080 laptop. In some ways, it makes it a lot worse. So I don't know how you actually compare that to the 4080 laptop, like in in a head to head, like what you're deciding to get for get when you buy a laptop. Because they, you can talk about how power usage isn't as important on desktop, which it's probably not. But laptop, it's very, very much a factor in uh, which one you buy. Because that can be the difference between this thing being usable, um, walking around uh, day-to-day, or if it's truly is just, I need a desktop that I can move around more easily.
0: Yeah, I mean... My overall opinion, though, is I'd still just say this is close enough to the forty ninety laptop edition to recommend it. Like, yeah, and it's just because it has more RAM. Like, I don't, I don't think that like twenty or thirty percent win in raw performance the forty ninety laptop edition is going to have is is really going to be the differentiating factor. These cards need more than twelve gigabytes. That that's what it, it will be long term.
1: Yeah, um, and then as far as um, <laughs> Threadripper goes uh you know that, that that's a lot of i o uh threadripper pro looks I, I don't know threadripper i feel like is continually just because of the way core counts are going threadripper and epic are be, the distinction is becoming more muddled in my mind over time i mean obviously threadripper you get if you need higher clock speeds threadripper pro you get if you need higher clock speeds than epic it, than epic and epic you get if you need presumably it to run more uh, more consistently 24 7 and or those you, other
0: special features
1: yeah or if you need the special features that epic has and if it has a uh, 12 channel instead of 8 channel memory right but i don't know uh it looks very expensive to me
0: <laughs> yeah uh,
1: but well, we're glad
0: it's happening, right? I mean, I people were telling me they may not come to a non-pro until like Zen Five, and this is exciting, in my opinion, from this perspective.
1: Oh no, it's good, and I'm glad there's non-pro that's going to release on some level to consume. I mean, for DIY, uh, within pro, three
0: months, let's say we don't really know the and, availability,
1: but and Pro, it seems like it's going to be primarily OEM, if not exclusively OEM. For a while, yeah. For a while. The
0: the one thing that also gives me hope, though, is, remember, I was hearing if we're lucky it'll launch this year, and like if we're not lucky, it may not be till the middle of next year that we have Zen 4 Threadripper come out. The fact that they're at least accelerating it this much last minute gives me some hope that a Zen 5 non-pro Threadripper could actually come out late next year. Like, I'm kind of guessing it might, though, and maybe I'll consider getting that because I'm not paying $5,000 for a CPU or $1,000 for a motherboard. Consider $5-600 for a motherboard and over a grand for a CPU though. But it has to be the new generation too. I'm not getting last gen. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they they were they've been moving over time towards releasing their Threadripper line like almost at the same time as their next generation of a uh, desktop. Uh and if this if that's delayed to instead being like Four to six months—that would be great. Yeah, e-
0: even like eight months later, as long as it's not a full year later, that that's a bit—it's towards the acceptable side, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, however, PC Dog writes in and he says, "Is AMD planning on releasing Zen Five X3D close to the release of standard Zen Five, or is AMD looking to release Zen Five X3D closer to 15th Gen to better compete with that Gen in gaming?" Well, I've already leaked roadmaps um, that suggest that the X3D variants of Zen Five won't really be ready until the second half of next year. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to take this question as an opportunity to point out that I think I saw Kepler talking about this on Twitter, and I have to agree. If AMD is going to charge $1,500 for a Zen 4 24-core now, I find it highly unlikely they're launching a 24-core to desktop early next year.
1: Yeah, unfortunately
0: right it's not a no not no no, a zero chance and again if amd wanted to they could launch a 24 core eight cores x3d 16 cores zen 4c i'm told right now to am5 but they're choosing not to i'm gonna guess pc dog that they're just gonna do the standard 16 core at the beginning of the year which to be fair is what my roadmaps say so you know i've (laughs) been hoping for more but it has only ever been hope people um And then they think that's going to be probably like, well, it depends, right? I think in AVX workloads, it could be wildly better than the previous gen, but let's say 20% better or something, you know, than the previous gen, which means 20% better than what Intel has at half the power at a lower cost. You know, I think they think that's more than enough to conquer desktop early next year. And then I think they're going to reserve the right to do whatever the hell they want late next year. And I think this would kind of work. You know, they launched 24 cores for $1,500 now, three months go by. They launch a 16-core Zen 5. These aren't quite cannibalizing each other. Then 10 months go by. Maybe they'll even call it the 9000 series, by the way. And when Arrow Lake launches, maybe that's when they launch a 32-core Zen 5 Threadripper and a 24-core X3D Zen 5 AM5. I'm starting to assume that's what they're going to do, actually. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm leading towards them doing because it just doesn't seem like with how bad... I mean, look you can't amd's looking at these raptor like refresh reviews and they're going we need more than 16 cores for sure <laughs> don't you think yeah yeah so unfortunately that is i would say my opinions changed on my hopefulness that they'll be super aggressive in the beginning of the year is changing because i think they it all comes down to will it still be perceived as a raffle stomp even with 16 cores my answer is yes yeah
1: you know. and, and i don't know just i i, I get the x3d stuff is they have it for a marketing win or whatever but i, I think like i think the, a, a marketing win if they can release the x3d models earlier they should and i think for marketing releasing like the non-x is honestly better as like a soft price drop for uh their current gen
0: mm-hmm. yeah and then they could also do that at the same time but otherwise yeah. they don't need to um All righty, well, let us then move on to the final story here with story number six, Moore's Law is Dead Leaks Turin and Turin-Dense Scenario Diagrams. Last week, Moore's Law is Dead put out a few updates to Zen5 products. In summary, entire diagrams of Turin and Turin Dense, proving that the 16x8 core chiplets for Turin and 12x16 core chiplets for Turin Dense is now double or triple confirmed. There's also a suggestion in the leak that Turin Dense may be codenamed Sonaro, and at a minimum, this is one of the co- internal codenames for Zen5C behind the scenes. Additionally, there was further confirmation that Zen 5 supports seemingly 20% faster memory than Zen 4, hopefully leading the way to 8,000 megatransfer memory support on AM5, considering already they seem to support like about 7,000 now with the latest updates. And then the cache sizes have been confirmed, and AVX 512 with native 512-bit support were further confirmed with proof as well. Some people I've talked to think this could make AMD win an AVX 512 workloads. By like 40 or 50% over Raptor Lake refresh, which remember does not have AVX 512 support at all. Indeed, the only bad news in this leak was a suggestion that Turin AI may be limited to a very select group of AMD customers. And also Turin Dense may now launch, uh, may now not launch until the second half of the year, despite 128 core turn standard remaining on track for early 2024. And again, roadmaps roadmaps that I've leaked suggesting production for the 3-nanometer turn-dense CCDs should be at about the same time, if not earlier, than the 4-nanometer variant. So I don't know what that's about. Maybe they just don't think they need to launch it sooner. Uh, One can only hope that this points to AMD preparing some rise in supply of Zen 5C early. But on the other hand, the fact that AMD is about to launch a $1,500 Zen 424 core does not bode well for assuming that's going to happen. So Dan, what did you think? I mean, full diagrams of Zen 5, we now know what Epic looks like, and some updates to the release date.
1: Well, I mean, I certainly don't think AMD needs to get aggressive uh, with any of their pricing at this point. Like, eh, they really do seem to just be ahead of Intel uh, when it comes to Epic at this point by, I don't know, if desktop feels like half a generation, usually this feels like a full one or two generations at this point, Mm -hmm. especially with the advent of C cores where they're going to have I forgot what it's at now. What's twelve times sixteen? One hundred ninety-two. Yeah, one hundred ninety-two cores. I, I I just don't know how Intel catches up to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I and you know, I think on desktop. Yeah, I, I, I mean, well, the, to go actually to what you said, I mean, yeah, maybe that's why they're not launching Sonaro right away, right? Maybe they're just looking at Intel and they're going, Intel's going to launch like eighty-six core Granite Rapids and one hundred forty-four core Sierra Forest in the first half of the year. And then 120, if we're lucky, 128-core Granite Rapids and Mm -hmm. 288-core Sierra Force near the end of the year. I mean, 128-core Zen 5 is going to crush it. And Bergamo is barely launched. So, like, why would we rush anything? Let's milk this a bit, and then we can have high availability right before Granite Rapids launches. Boom, we drop the 192-core in the X3D models. I think they'll probably do the same on AM5. I think they're going to have a 16-core... That's $600 or $700. That's 20 to 30%, or let's just say 15 to 30% better than what we have now. Mm -hmm. And that's going to bury everything. And then they could even call it a new gen or not. It's up to them. They launch 24 cores if they want to or don't, and just launch X3D (laughs) against Arrow Lake because Arrow Lake loses hyper threading. And from what I'm hearing, it seems like 30% higher single threading, 40% higher mixed workloads. Remember, that means like more than four threads, but less than eight or like eight or less right So generally
1: generally where gaming falls into but
0: yes Uh, or like it'll it'll help boost running concurrent things well but then multi-threading i'm kind of thinking at first because it's just eight plus 16 with no hyper-threading is probably going to be 25 to 35 percent increase so like i don't know amd is going to probably keep the multi-threading crown if not tie it Mm -hmm. intel's might win single threading by 10 percent amd can just launch the x3d 24 core next to arrow lake and it's over and i think that'll do fine against the 8 plus 32 core and then zen 6 i don't know it's not looking good no (laughs) Uh, but i don't think you have anything else to add to that do you no all right i do not let us then get to the final wrap-up so these are of course these stories that we thought deserved talking about but don't deserve their own 5- 5- to 20-minute conversation. Uh, Valve adds official undervolting support with controls for it to the Steam Deck. I thought that was very exciting and something that I just wish more laptop makers would do. Like They're so locked down now. Man, even yeah. like some of those laptops I had undervolting like my i7 could gain 20-30% more performance.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Steam is generally a pretty good company. So they they tend to make they tend to make a, a lot of the decisions i would make and you know i i don't think of the steam deck i'm the right person for the steam deck but eh, <laughs> undervolting controls is nice and I, I it's honestly ideal for the for like these handhelds where y- you presumably want to get a little bit more battery life out of them cuz some of them aren't or just more performance
0: because they're constrained so yeah less power is more performance no oh, yeah that's um,
1: true
0: uh then there's also the meteor like handheld that was demoed i don't have a whole lot to say it's at three gigahertz clock speeds um which i th- i don't know like right now they go up to like two something gigahertz i think so it's like yeah you know it's alchemist plus it boosts higher has more performance seems to be running god of war well don't have much to say i i'll be interested to see how meteor lake does in handhelds um Hopefully yep. the drivers work. Uh, <laughs> this one was actually an interesting one. Uh, Alan Wake Two does not support RDNA one or earlier or NVIDIA Pascal or earlier.
1: Yep, um, I, I I think that's just like you know buy <laughs> buy uh, newer gen stuff usually sh- or stuff from like the past two generations because eventually you they are going to lose support for uh, certain games and. I, I really do think, feel like this year has been a reckoning for performance, where people are fine. I, I feel like devs are finally like, this is how much it takes to run our games.
0: Mm-hmm. Although yeah. it's the, not because of ray tracing either; it's because of mesh shaders, by the way, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, and uh, this came out because one of the uh, developers for Alan Wake um, tweeted about it. And now you can't find the tweet anymore because she deleted it because everybody was sending her hate uh, hate messages.
0: Yeah, it seems <laughs> like kind of a bold move, Cotton, on this one. But at the same time, it's like, when it came out, the me uh, and you talked about this last night, when the 5700 XT came out, I didn't really buy into the argument that you get Turing to future proof because I'm like, well, by the time any game comes out where that matters, you'll be able to buy it back cheaper or buy something else cheaper. Like you know, that that's nonsense. And that's true to this day. Like right now, if you bought a 5700 XT instead of a, I mean, frankly, you know, if you paid like 400 or I think it got down to like 350 less than a year after it came out, like you got basically 2080 performance for mm-hmm. four years. And now I don't know sell for 150 and pay 2 like 300 bucks for a 6700 XT that's better. Like it was good you didn't buy the super series. the or the RTX 2000 series. It gave you nothing, really over it until now. Having said that, I will say that like a year ago I saw some curious recommendations where people were like, well, remember the 6600 XT is selling for 350 right now, but you can get a 5700 XT for 300 and I'm like, yeah, but it uses less energy. And is like five percent stronger for 10, 15 more while having a bunch of new features. Hey, that, yeah. that, that, that's you don't buy last last gen or you know, you know, like when the new gen's coming out. You you buy no, by now you want the new thing if it's relatively close to the same price performance. And the same thing with the 1080 Ti. Another really good example is people were like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example here. Like, don't get, I don't know, like a 3080 or like you can get a 1080 Ti for Four hundred dollars instead of the 450, 6700 XT at the time, and I'm like, pay fifty dollars for the sixty seven hundred XT. It has yeah, I know more features, less power consumption, and more, and technically a gigabyte extra of RAM. The ten eighty is old news, guys. So I just think that's a reminder that like on PC, every four to five years, sometimes support is dropped. And well, I don't think you should buy things that just came out with the idea of future proof, and you buy it to run well now. If something's already two or three years old. And there's something that's comparable performance for like ten percent more, but paid the ten percent.
1: Yeah, I mean the sixty-seven hundred XT, I feel like is the it, 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 right now is the card to get if you're not trying to spend. Well, depending on who you ask, that that's still asking you to spend an arm and a leg. But mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's I feel like the card to get right well, it's now. Three hundred
0: bucks now, I think it's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's not terrible.
0: But anyways. Um. Well, speaking of that, let's actually go to this wrap-up one here. Uh, <laughs> the 6-750 GRE is unsurprisingly underwhelming. You know, if you guys will remember, I think video cards or someone broke that there was a 6-750 GRE coming like a month or two ago. And then I believe in a loose ends or broken silicon said I've heard it's not just one model. There's a 10-12 gigabyte. Turns out that's true. There is a 10 to 12 gigabyte. Although, to be honest, they are more egregious rebrands than I could have ever imagined. Like, I don't know what to say. They are literally a 6700 XT and 6700 with slightly different profiles. I I don't know. I don't understand. I think maybe the boost clocks are higher, but the RAM's slower than the 6750 XT. So I I don't know what this is. It's ridiculous. I don't know. These should be called the 6700 and 6700 XT GRE. All right.
1: I, I, uh, I I I genuinely don't understand what this is for. It looks, if it's just slightly different, like slightly slower RAM, slightly higher clock speeds or whatever, it sounds like they just wanted to source from a different place to get cheaper RAM, and they're calling it the GRE now, despite the fact that I, I, this, I cannot imagine this 6750 GRE is going to be any different than the 6700 XT. No, think it's the same thing. It's the same thing.
0: Lower <laughs> TDP than the 6750 XT. It's ridiculous. QH Freddy writes in yet again and says, Reband- rebrandion strikes again. The 6700 XT and 6700 now have their GRE editions with an extra 50 in the name. That seems to be the difference, yeah.
1: Well, it is a higher number, Tom. Con- uh, very confusingly, a higher number. I don't know what the GRE thing is supposed to be, but I guess we're just... <laughs> we're really just going with that gre branding this year for some reason
0: i don't know all right and then the final story in the wrap-up is of course the playstation 5 slim was unveiled with kind of price increases i mean technically the playstation 5 slim you know with a disc drive is 500 so no change there but they're changing the discless version to 450 with the argument being, well, it's extra $50, but now you can add a disk drive. You can't do the old one. That's a premium.
1: Yeah, it's a premium. Don't, you can you can We buy will not the, be
0: taking any questions at this
1: time. Goodbye. You can spend $80 to buy the disk drive and spend $20 more than you would have if you would have just gotten the disk drive version to begin with. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, I, I it should also be clarified that the PS5 Slim is, it's the same price in, in other regions. It's just the US where they're doing the price increase. but.
0: Oh, well, they've been doing little price they've increases in other regions, there. so they're probably just catching up for the last time here.
1: Yeah, apparently the apparently the PS5 has jumped up by 50% in price in Japan since let's launch. Jeez. So I'm sure they're loving that. And, so they're and,
0: probably looking at us complaining about 50 bucks for one of the models and going, <laughs> smallest violin.
1: Oh, and the uh, this stand also is sold separately now for some reason.
0: I don't, I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like thirty dollars or something yeah, crazy it's $30. too? Thirty dollars. What the fuck? I don't know. This is. I've always I, heard uh, that like the PlayStation Five launched, and then about half a year after it came out, they were making a profit on each unit sold, and then they never said it again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure due to inflation and shipping issues, which uh, prices have come down, but shipping is still higher than when it was in twi- early 2020. So I would imagine. This is them trying to make it get back to profitability per unit sold on average, Mm -hmm. and they just haven't been there yet, and they were always going to do this somehow. I I would also suggest that this means that the Pro, if it does come out next year, will be 600.
1: I... I Yeah, probably. (laughs) I will say, though, Tom, if you're getting the PS5 Slim Edition, my advice would be if you're going to stand it vertically, just see if it works without the stand. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it works. You know, I I don't know unless they like added uh, a a like bump to the bottom of it or something so you can't stand it up but just yeah, stand it up I guess that is kind of
0: shitty though because it's like I guess we'll have to see this is more flat and thinner Uh, and I was listening to Sacred Symbols called Moriarty says it's actually smaller than you'd think if you see it in person like it does look noticeably smaller even though it doesn't sound like it is on paper compared to usual but I'd wonder if like some of these changes means if you put it on its side it doesn't like rock around because the existing one does you kind of need that stand yeah this one you don't maybe i don't know i'd have to see because if it annoyingly rocks back and forth on its side it's really shitty they don't have a stand i'm just gonna say it
1: well no the on its side it comes if you click on it it comes with a little kickstand tom
0: oh okay well then you don't need the stand i don't know
1: unless you want to stand it up vertically and they've for some reason made it difficult to stand it up vertically
0: I doubt it. I don't I don't even think when I stand
1: the PS5 up vertically now that I use the stand. I only use it you, for the side. You don't really need it when it's vertical. Um, so I, I, I presumably you can just keep doing that and not waste thirty dollars.
0: Yeah, the only other reading I take from this is is Sony's seen the plan from Microsoft to remove the disk drive and keep it five hundred dollars and going Heard you loud and clear. Sounds like no competition. <laughs> this is not a Sony that feels threatened. That's what no, this is.
1: It is not.
0: <laughs> well, that's all of the stories. That's all of the reader mails. That's all everything that we had to talk about, Dan, unless you have anything else you want to bring up. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. Well, I knew you would say that, but I always ask to be polite, so good. Wow. Shut the fuck up. How about, <laughs> how about that? Fine. Um, but anyways that is going to do it for this episode fake fighting aside i hope you guys all enjoyed it if you did let me do a quick plug here i mean there's been a ton of pent-up content that's come out over the next week i do think a lot of it's flown under the radar you know we had was on vacation a die shrink about uh brian i uh, know no what was it about not um about who are the three people jim ryan Uh, Mm -hmm. Ryan Shrout, and Scott Herkelman. So we had a whole uh, die shrink. It's like a bonus broken silicon going through those stories because we didn't want to have to cover it in a broken silicon. We thought it really wouldn't be that clickable, but I think that's one of our best die shrinks. Then I also did an interview with someone who's working with a team to bring PSVR to support to PC. Again die shrink you get access to it for two dollars a month there's also been an excellent interview with hoag a lawyer about the microsoft activision stuff i already brought it up a few times and a new loose ends that also leaks a bunch of details as well it's just that's where most of my thread over thoughts really are tons of that content out there do not miss it and uh otherwise you know like the video or podcast give us a review on apple Podcasts, your podcast app of choice Tell your friends about us play it on repeat a thousand times every day and uh (laughs) you know Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon, co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugada as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawsdead.com on the About slash Support page. Page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Carrie No Sugata as well, you can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, PO Box 60632, and Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible every month and really every day depending on who you're talking about me gerard dan and john philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out don't get us wrong we love our sponsors but we love directly working for you our fans much more if you have any extra money even a couple free dollars a month consider supporting us directly on patreon those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast die shrink voting on subjects of future podcast episodes the ability to ask guests questions and of course access to the morris laws dead discord full of like-minded people who i am sure would love to meet you I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z Dead podcasts. In addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts, depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And Hey, if you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit and give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But, like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Z Jits, Daniel D, Christopher Ricks, Aaron Close, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, GZ Ziggy, Brian Riggleman, MJB1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Jam Ferriera. Falcoma Lev, Nicholas Buckner, Andrew S., Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Gregory S. Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Greg Wancha, Chris Rich, CDS Boy08, Albuma, Compressed Earthblocks, Shredberg, Dr. Foreman, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan Blank, Franco Jake Dude 23 Jake Martin, Holden Mobley, Zlicky, Christopher A. Butler, Sammy Malas, Stefan Hart, Meat and Pork, Tim Robb, Jordan Simkovic, Ian Clifford, Travis Gooding, Julian Leak, The Boss Haas, Nanny, and Deepest Learners, Stefan Mads, Zuzu Taylor, Stefan Coates, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Crow. Uh, Amiable Chief, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, Roger Davies, I Should, Mark Raidmaker, Cameron, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Johnson N, Cameron, Wesley Sager, Henry Shang, Shell Pell, D31337, Antics, Chrysantine, The Eternal Dreamers, Neith, Rizink, Hexapuma, Reginate Ari, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Colin to Darts, Gaming Reagan, Jeff Seller, Lupo35, Windstar, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, RNDR, Stephen Dick, Chuck and Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, i 711700 k Joe Foot, Toka, Hardland, Slush Boss C2, Jamie Whitworth, Jansen, Angema Joseph Kelly, David Sebastian, Samuel Park, Earth Tours, Keith Moore, Himsagun, Tails 2299 Me Valverga, Johns, his Fenty C Z, The Forbidden Juice, Perleakedman, RB Racer, AC, Lord Starstream, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Mad, Alex Vega, Freddy, Brian Wright, John Swin, Rodent BC, Win Wang, Kikam, Elbergun Solarized 80, Trevor Renfro, Yeti, Thalo 215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Jeff Johnson, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.